Hello, comrades. Hello! <laughs> Hello, comrades, and welcome to Sicko Mode, a communist quarantine podcast. My name is Siang. And my name is Chillery Clinton. <laughs> Why is your name Chillery Clinton? Because I'm just chilling. Yeah. Uh, waiting for the lockdown. Waiting for the lockdown, which we all hope and pray for, but yeah. might not happen. Well, we've got that tasty university lockdown on its way yeah. from uh, Toop Senior. But we're waiting for the UK to be shut down. But it's anyone's yeah. guess if it's going to be. It looks well, like... I really thought that it was going to happen quite soon. Yeah. So last week, I was like, so I'm getting the train on Sunday. So I want the lockdown, but also I'm glad it's not happening. Maybe that's irresponsible you, of me. Do you want to get the train this Sunday? I'm getting the train this Sunday. My girlfriend lives Ooh, in Essex. That's not very social distancing of you. I know. Well, I'm going to try and sit really far away from everyone and not touch them. Okay. Um... I was going to get the train through London, but now her mum is going to pick me up from Harley Town. <laughs> um, but I thought it was going to happen, so I was messaging her like a week ago, like, maybe I can't come, because maybe the trains will be cancelled, who knows, but today they just announced that from Monday, because obviously everything has to stop on Monday. <laughs> oh, it has to? Everything has to start yeah, on Monday and end on Friday. You can start it on Friday. Yeah. Um, some other day. Starting on Monday, they're going to gradually decrease the number of services um, so that there's just going to still be trains going basically every day. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, you know, is good for me individually, but bad for the collective, which, as we all know, as communists, the collective is what it's all about. Exactly. And and why have we, as communists, started a communist quarantining podcast? Um, it's called Sicko Mode! Well, we started a podcast... Uh, because we are bored um, in yeah. an existential way. It's only been like a few days. I've definitely it spent has. more time inside not doing anything than this, but the knowledge of time stretching on ever longer ahead of us makes me spiritually bored. Um, yeah, it's like Lennon said, um, sometimes nothing happens for a year and then a year will happen in a couple of days. Yeah. And I think he said something like that. Are these the couple I mean, of days or is this the... Nothing happening for a year. It's hard to say at this point. Okay. But like like you're saying, I'm very used to staying inside and watching Netflix for two days and not talking to anyone. In yeah. some ways, I've been in semi-quarantine my whole life. Yeah. But now that the real quarantine is here, I realise I really need to start a podcast. Yeah. Probably to... like a million other people right now are starting podcasts yeah. in bedrooms all over I'm the country. I'm sorry to everyone who is begging us all not to stop podcasts, but we're doing it because... We are bored. Oh no, the people want it. <laughs> the people want it. Everyone, people, me and you. Well, no, everyone I say this to, they're like, excellent, do it. Fair enough. I bet it's going to be great content. All right then. I, yeah. I hope that we can live up to expectations. Absolutely. Um, that's why we're doing a podcast. The reason why it's communist is because we are communists. Yeah. Um, and we think that collective solutions are required. And you look at, you know, individuals keep getting demonised for what's going on. Yeah. And, you know, I, I hold individuals and the ruling class responsible, but I also <laughs> don't think that you can just encourage people to yeah. quarantine. I think you need a national solution with, yeah. that involves state capacity and, and collective action. Mm -hmm. And it involves uh, people organising in some of the most strangest and adverse conditions. Yeah that you can really imagine, but, but we have to do it. And, you know, so that's why I think I think the solution to this crisis is, is communist. It is. Um, communists were right all along. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, um, 
showing me. <laughs> yeah. So uh, something that I think kind of illustrates this uh, kind of confusion about like individual action, whatever, quite well is. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, um, we went to a party last Friday, only a week ago, and yet it seems like a lifetime. Maybe it's a few days where everything happens. Exactly, that's what yeah. I mean. It feels like so long ago. So you and I were in Solidarity College. We were in Solidarity so, so We were in Solidarity College, which was um, an occupation mm-hmm. um, of uh, certain buildings at the University of Cambridge. Um, mm-hmm. That was about the strikes, but that is actually not what this is about. Um, but, but after that was finished... After that was finished, you knew someone from... Well, actually, I met them on Tinder. Well, you met them on Tinder. Yeah, so I met someone on Tinder that happened to be in UCU. And everyone I matched with that month, I just talked to them about the strikes. I was trying to propagandise using dating apps that month. Yeah, and it's a good litmus test. Exactly. Yeah. Um, And so we got invited to this party. Well, Joe got invited to the party. (laughs) And then at that point, I was like, well, I'm back from the um, occupation. I'm just going to stay in my house for like a year I guess because now it's time to be socially distancing and then Joe messaged me and was like oh do you want to go to a communist party and obviously I heard communist party and I was like oh communism bureaucracy we love it let's go you're imagining democratic centralism I was imagining democratic centralism but it was actually a communist kink party yeah which Um, I thought meant that the that the communism is kinky which obviously everyone knows that it is but actually it turned out it was a a kink party also a kink party yeah um but it was it was fun so uh we turned up um with some people as well and yeah we had some plus ones yeah um, and there was a bottle of hand sanitizer, like on a string outside the door. That's then... when I was really starting to get unnerved because yeah. I've been freaking out about this pandemic that suddenly seemed to uh, be very real the last two days, and I yeah. felt guilty going to the party. Mm. And that was really compounded when we got to the door and there was hand sanitizer, yeah, hanging off the front. Yeah, and well, I was that's like... the thing. I was like, you know, day one, it's time to be in social distancing and I was like fuck I'm so bored let's go to this party we were like oh maybe you know we can go to the party like things are still happening then we got to the door and there was hand sanitizer hanging down which is an interesting move because I don't know it signifies something but I don't know how much it actually did hygienically <laughs> yeah I think it was more like to ward off demons it was like yeah. having holy water but you like throw on yourself to prove that you're not a vampire yeah before um, you go before you cross a threshold yeah but, I mean, I, at the time, I felt a little bit guilty, but also at the time, the, the main message coming from the government was this so-called herd immunity strategy, yeah. which was basically relied upon a secret number of people dying yeah. that we've since found out was an extraordinarily large number of people and effectively yeah. a kind of genocide. But at the time, everyone was being told that all the sexy young people should go to parties, maybe even go on cruises and catch yeah. it, and that's how you're going to save the population. It's like sharing it around. The yeah. people that can um, survive it, anyone that's young and not immunocompromised. And obviously, that seems like a long time ago, because the entire media is pretending like that never happened, now yeah. that a supposed suppression took place. Yeah. yeah, now that we've supposedly turned to a suppression strategy rather than a so-called mitigation. Yeah. But of course... Everything's kind of still ongoing. Yeah. So uh, this party. Yeah. It was interesting. So there was hand sanitizer. There were also some other special measures. Um, well, I don't know how special some special measures were. What were the special? The one measures? of them was the cups. 
Oh yeah, so the cups. They had good. the cups, um, the disposable red cups that we love to drink from. Um, we love to drink from. <laughs> we love to drink from. There was a string with a sharpie on it and you had to write your name on your cup so that it wouldn't get lost, get confused with someone else's cup. Yeah. Um, a way to, I guess, prevent the spread of diseases from direct mouth to cup to mouth contact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but of course the problem was that we were a huge amount of people in a very small space and yeah. everyone was wearing kind of leather and netting and yeah. sexy clothes. Actually the host was wearing like a mask but it wasn't like a surgical hygienic mask it was no. like a kinky mask. Yeah so, I don't think WebMD. <laughs> I don't recommend it. <laughs> I don't think um, if there had been any medical professionals yeah. there they would have been very pleased yeah. with it. See, I but don't it looks think very cool. If we have a shortage of the masks that it will be requisitioned by the NHS. Yeah. <laughs> but it did look very well, cool. We've got a shortage now so maybe yeah. we should just go to the nearest bondage shop <laughs> and, and, and get like a full leather daddy outfit. Yeah everyone's just wearing like a leather like head yeah, you would have stuck a full gimp suit. Yeah. That's the only way to protect yourself yeah. now. You'll see me in the rationing queues next week, just <laughs> like in complete leather on all fours. Yeah, just yeah. queuing up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, at least we'll look good. It'll be the end of the world, but we'll like look look pretty pretty cool. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so that was going on. There was also in the toilet, there was like a sign that was like, did you go to the toilet? I went to the toilet. I think I did. Okay. There was a sign that was like, make sure you wash your hands with soap for like 20 seconds. While saying happy birthday. It didn't say... Well, it actually said happy birthday. No, the actual it, didn't, government. it didn't say oh, that. Oh, okay, okay, but okay. But that's okay. what the government I thought they'd pick like a cooler party song. No. Like, wash your hands while, ha- wash your hands while singing Breaking no, the Law by like, Judas Priest. <laughs> a packet of like towels, like paper towels. And it was like, wash your hands and then dry your hands with a paper towel and throw it in the bin. But then they ran out of paper towels halfway through and they had like a kitchen roll instead. Oh my gosh. So there was actually so many special measures at this party. But it's just like when they taught kids to practice hiding under their desks in the mid-20th century. So if a nuclear bomb went off, they'd be ready to be hidden under their desks. But of course they'd all be eviscerated. (laughs) (laughs) It's measures to make you feel better, to make you feel like you're doing something, even though you know that you're having a party with loads of people in a small enclosed space. Yeah, and like everyone's just like dancing all on top of each other. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, But it was a great party. It was a good party. I mean, I was like manically, I felt more alive than I had in a long time. It felt more exciting. Usually I kind of hate parties, and I especially... I'm scared of parties where I don't know anyone, but I was living. I was having yeah. a great time, and I felt like I, I really needed to make the most of this party because maybe it would be the last time we could party for a long time. Exactly. I think maybe that's yeah. why the Tories thought their so-called herd immunity strategy was going to work. The strategy yeah. devised by the eugenicists, because it kind of taps into the death drive, like yeah. that secret The party thing. at the end of the world. Yeah, exactly. It actually taps into that. But of course... I mean, those those annoying nerds had to go... Someone had to go and leak the report that showed it was going to kill uh, yeah. between a quarter and half a million people completely unnecessarily. Yeah. And now they've had to supposedly pull the plug on that. And now everyone... The new strategy is just making fun of people in pubs. Yeah. All of the people hanging out in pubs and blaming them, even yeah. though all of Europe has closed its pubs and schools. Yeah. And we're just like blaming any individuals that happen to get confused by yeah. the next messages. And it's also yeah. quite like the other day I was like, maybe I should go to a cafe, not to like spread the disease, but because Wait, what? 
Well, I didn't to, to end what? up going, okay. but I was going to meet up with someone, and she was like, oh, I'm going stir-crazy, let's just meet up. Mm. We usually meet up in Costa, and I was like, I'm not sure about going to Costa, but I was like, what if we still met up, but we went to, like, an independent coffee shop, because... I kind of feel bad that I'm not going to cafes because all these coffee shops that are suddenly losing business are all going to collapse. Uh, that's true. Right? Yeah. Because, again, the government hasn't done anything I mean, to yeah. protect, really. And that's one of the actual, like, things that I was thinking about as a potential uh, danger or new feature, worst feature of this changed world, is that a lot of independent, smaller businesses, like local, whatever, might just go out of business because of the circumstances, whereas the big chains that are increasingly monopolising all the industries will continue, and it's a great opportunity for them to expand and gain more of a monopoly over sectors. I mean, yeah, it probably is. I mean, I (sighs) tend to distrust small business owners and think they're almost inevitably reactionary. I mean, not all the time, but, you know, as a a kind of minor class, usually. But I don't want them all to be bankrupted into homelessness yeah. just just for amazon and walmart to own everything between them like divide the world in two and they just you know yeah um have stretched into every facet of the economy yeah but even more so than they have now i mean that wouldn't be it yeah. wouldn't be grand i wouldn't be having a wild time no i just think there's a lot of these like smaller businesses or whatever like uh companies that are now just like laying off all of their employees yeah. Being like, you're fired, you're like, oh, we have no business. I know. We can't pay you. I actually went to the, the Cambridge market this week mm. to buy a falafel and halloumi wrap, mm. which I then eat in quick succession, even though it's two courses easily. Wait, you, you like bought two wraps? Yeah, that's my ritual, is oh, I buy wow. a halloumi and falafel one, both large. Oh, I thought it was like one wrap with halloumi and falafel. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, wraps. you can do that. But no, I just get two. And I, I eat them both. Um, just to reward myself for a hard day's work. <laughs> but I went there because I heard they were doing so badly and I spoke to the guy that I always get it from and mm. he said, um, I pay uh, £1,000 a month for rent because um, it's a house. Oh, I thought you meant for the stall. No, no, but he pays oh. 800 a month for the stall. So the guy is spending so much money, he's working all the time, like yeah. a small business owner, and he was saying they've had almost no customers, you know, yeah. and his landlord seems nice, but he's never had to not give him money before. Yeah. And obviously there was just a mortgage holiday announced for homeowners, mm-hmm. but so far, fuck all the renters, apart from landlords being asked to look into their hearts. Yeah. You know, which we know how far um, that's yeah. likely to go. And yeah. the poor guy, like, yeah, he's, you know, he seemed to be really, um, really on the edge. Maybe we should just go to the market and purchase our food out of these stalls while maintaining a distance from everyone else at the market. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we could try. We could yeah. try. I don't know but, if that would work. But I, I, I think I've kind of given up on on the whole thing. Yeah. I think civil society is going to break down. Yeah. So as you know, I had a special shopping trip this week. Yes, you did. Yeah. So obviously I was working in a school for four days, mm-hmm. getting very angry at everyone that works there, trying to convince them to stay home, mm. but working myself in order to try and convince all these teachers to stay home. And when I finished my final uh, shift covering a class, I thought I would cycle to the nearest army surplus store. <laughs> How far away was that? Where is the army surplus store? Well, this was out in the sticks. 
This was past the airport. Ooh. Yeah, but so I just looked on a map and I hadn't realised it was actually a kind of warehouse where you buy stuff online. <laughs> so it was very strange going past all of these warehouses in the middle of nowhere. And then there was this guy sat inside, this huge guy. And I was like, can I, can I look around? Can I get some stuff? And there was stuff everywhere. He was like, this is an online store, buddy. <laughs> I don't know what you're doing here. But I got talking to him and he was, he was actually pretty friendly. And he invited me in. Yeah. And he gave me a tour of his goods. And I was like, trying to act really serious. Mm. I was like, okay, yeah, no, I'm going to need some, <laughs> some, uh, you know, some of these survival kits. And, <laughs> and then I kept asking him about stuff. And he was just like, no, I don't know about any of this, buddy. I've not even gone camping ever. <laughs> I'm just, uh, used to work in media. And then my wife said, you've got to get out of the house. You're driving me insane when I retired. So I bought this yeah. business. So, yeah. So he, I thought he was like some ex-SAS type, but he was actually but he just But he was this... a weapons specialist. Well, yeah, that's the thing. It turned out Gareth, this little store that he had specialises in, in weapons. In weapons. Yeah. yeah. And so, but, so I bought a couple of uh, things to cook with and a survival kit, but I also impulse bought my first crossbow <laughs> yeah yeah and you've tried it out i've tried it out well i tried to try it out but i was not physically strong enough to pull the crossbow thing back into the where it's supposed to go i know sad times I know. it was quite cringe you could have, well, we're gonna have to do more communist exercises every morning all right that's okay yeah. i've started doing communist exercises every morning um yeah how's it been going it's been good today's day two Mm-hmm. Um, but the sun's out today. I went outside, did my exercises. I got my housemate Stella to come and do them with me during her lunch break. Um, it's good, and I was just you know counting along. She was like, "What are you saying?" And I was, I was just counting in Mandarin. <laughs> but it, I, I'm sure it sounded very exciting. <laughs> but you know they're good. I've been having like weird back sensations because I've just been sitting on my bed for so long doing nothing. <laughs> so today I've decided that this quarantine period I'm going to become extremely buff. So I'm going to buff, I'm going to be able to pull back the crossbow thing, you're going to have a crossbow, and when all society, I don't know, collapses, we're going to be so powerful. Yeah, well you're just going to be absolutely stacked. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Just hench. Yeah, just hench. I'm going to come out of quarantine just an absolute unit. People will be like, what the fuck happened to to Joe? (laughs) Yeah, but you you have the, so you bought the crossbow over today. Yes, but so yeah, so I was very excited with my crossbow, but of course I don't have that much money, yeah. so I didn't get the three hundred and sixty pound model called like the Death Cobra from Gareth. <laughs> what I bought was the twelve ninety nine Gecko, <laughs> which from that name Gecko, I should have realised that it was actually pretty pathetic. Yeah. But I tried firing it in my room last night. And I was like, I hid underneath a duvet and stuck an arm out and aimed at this target I made with, you know, um, that resembled a landlord. And then I fired it and it pinged off at super speed and literally bounced off the roof and then hit my kettle and somehow turned it on. And the kettle started boiling. It was like a kind of uh, a comedy um, film. And then... Uh, yeah, but it's, it, every time I fire it, the bolts seem to veer off in the most random directions. And yeah. basically, it's completely unpredictable. Well, we were firing it in the garden that yeah. I have in my house. It's very nice. It's very long. Um, mm-hmm. But it like the crossbow was actually quite powerful. And the grass is quite long. So we tried firing it three times. And each time, we just couldn't find 
the bolt. So now I've only got one left because you lost another one in your room. And I've just got one bolt left. So now I'm just going to hold on to it. Yeah. I should point out that this is just if society completely breaks down. Yeah. And then I can go shooting rabbits. Yeah, because you asked him. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) How powerful is that? Yeah, I was trying to, I was thinking in my head, how can you ask, will this pierce flesh without (laughs) sounding like you should be arrested? (laughs) How can you ask, will this uh, disconnect landlords' heads from their bodies without getting. Locked up, pre-lockdown, yeah. locked up. Yeah. No. So yeah, what I said was, will this do the job? And he said, yes, buddy, it will do the job. <laughs> It'll do the job. It'll do the job. But was he telling the truth? It's kind of hard to say. I guess it depends what the job is. Yeah, the job has to yeah. be some massive, very thin-skinned dick. <laughs> <laughs> if it was very big, the <laughs> skin was extreme. It's like paper thin. Yeah, I mean, it's like translucent. <laughs> <laughs> And it had a pre-made hole in his body. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, I don't even want to do that. I'm a vegetarian. I think it was just my coping mechanism for all this kind of... Because I kind of, on Thursday and Friday, I had a Cassandra complex. Like Cassandra from Greek myth. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. But for the listeners, we we know that she saw the future. She saw an earthquake was going to happen. Yeah. And she kept telling people no one believed her. Like I felt, I I had a bit of a thing about that. Because I felt like... It, like this this whole thing was happening and lots of people in my course and at the schools I was working at just didn't understand and were just risking their lives. I had mm. friends that were immunocompromised that were going in and I knew people with heart conditions who were going into work. So I felt a bit crazy. And so when this has now all um, pl- played out the way that I thought it was going to, mm. I got very scared because I've never been right about anything before in my life. And if I'm right, then it really could be that the world is ending. So that's yeah. why I started getting the survival gear. Yeah. And I think there's also been, like, a really weird uh, dissonance between, like, what what we think is happening and what is actually happening. Like, I'm, mm. I was just in my house for ages because I was like, I'm social distancing. I shouldn't meet up with people. I'll stay here. Like, I shouldn't, maybe I shouldn't get the train. But then, obviously, the government advice was just like, you know, continue doing what you're doing. And then it was like, maybe you shouldn't go outside and it kind of it creates kind of this weird sense of paranoia mm. like you're going a bit insane like thinking that there's actually a pandemic happening but there actually is a pandemic happening but the government is just kind of pretending like we don't see it it's not happening so yeah what are you doing and you try and just controlling your situation by buying a crossbow <laughs> yeah exactly that was my um, way of controlling but Obviously, the crossbow, as we have realised, is also difficult to control. So I guess we're going to have to find a new... <laughs> I know, yeah. But we did more sensible things as yeah. well. Yeah. So we also went on uh, another trip. Um, yeah. This is our top tip for the week, um, which is... Yeah, so... staying alive. This is our new weekly feature. Yeah. Staying alive. Top tips for the apocalypse. I like how we just decided that the podcast is going to be weekly. <laughs> Oh, yeah. We just assume. I mean, every podcast is weekly. Not every podcast, but we can do it every week. We we have nothing else to do. Yeah, that's true. Um, So this is our top tip for staying alive, which is... So I think another symptom of this, you know, kind of weird paranoia, feel afraid, but like not that afraid and don't actually change your behaviour, is all the panic buying that's going on right now. Oh, yeah. A lot of people stockpiling really weird items. I went to Sainsbury's yesterday... And they've run out. There's no like fresh meat. 
<laughs> there's no, no there's no um laundry detergent i don't know why you still got the same amount of clothes um, there's like loads of random stuff it's not that I don't I don't get it and no eggs no I, eggs I tried to buy you eggs earlier to offer yeah. you an egg in these trying times <laughs> but there's no eggs no uh, I don't know what everyone's doing with that. they are perishable like you can't just keep loads of eggs but I know. anyway so I went to the supermarket like a week ago um, and I tried to buy some noodles because I just wanted to make some noodles to eat for my dinner but there were no dried noodles left and I was like oh fuck what am I going to do I'm trying to <laughs> What am I going to do? I need to eat some noodles. Mm. So I just bought some fresh egg noodles and I was like, oh. And Joe was like, maybe we should go to the, you know, the Oriental supermarkets. Yeah. Well, the Asian shops. Um, well, so I, I saw lots of people on Twitter being really self-righteous, like, I'm supporting my Oriental supermarket <laughs> because of the racism. Yeah. Um, and I and I was like, yeah, I mean, there definitely is loads of racism. Yeah. And... and everyone's trying to blame China. But actually, I don't believe that consumerism is empowering. No. But I do believe that there will be loads of tasty goods at the Oriental exactly. stores that people won't be buying. As it turned out. Top tip. Yeah. Yeah. So go to your local, what is it, Pill of the Orient, yeah. Soul Kitchen, World Food, whatever it is. Um, because people are scared of the pandemic, but they are still racist. So they have not been bulk buying from um your local east or southeast asian supermarket so we bought loads of dried noodles and yeah. we bought like two liters of soy sauce <laughs> and i bought a massive bottle have of you soy used sauce. it yet? i've been using it continually really that's the thing i've been doing a little stockpiling as a treat yeah but i keep dipping into it as if it were just my actual groceries yeah so i keep every time i need to eat i go to the lockbox under my bed <laughs> and I open it up, I pull it out, and I open it up, and I dig out the noodles. <laughs> yeah. And then I've got all of my preserves in jars, and I've opened those up as well. <laughs> so I, I'm tapping into my stockpiling while my local co-op is still fully stocked. <laughs> and despite a supposed lockdown, my college is still serving daily fresh <laughs> lunches. <laughs> but I'm still eating like it's like Cormac McCarthy's The Road. Yeah. And there's, I feel know. like you kind of always have to, you know, it's ro- like prepare for the role. Exactly. You know, you get in the get in the zone. Um, I am really in the zone. Get into sicko mode. I know. I'm able to make a full <laughs> hot meal with all different ingredients without leaving my room. Well, that's yeah. that's useful because you know you've actually been hanging out with loads of like random children for the past few days. Can we make the context clear that <laughs> I'm, I'm a primary school teacher? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm a primary school you teacher. Are, you are in schools like hanging out with all these kids yes you're kind of at risk of developing i am contracting well yeah but i have no pre-existing condition so i i I took a there was there's something in in education called acceptable risk Mm. where you know in order to learn certain things or do certain things some risk is okay and while I will from now on be distancing this week Mm. i did go into this school because I, any time I could get hold of someone would just kind of beg them to go home. Yeah. If they were at risk or had a partner that was at risk or were a carer. Yeah. And so it felt like I was doing the Lord's own work. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, and every night I was getting home and working with my union, trying to get schools closed down yeah. and more people to leave in the meantime. So it felt like kind of it was uh, worthwhile. Yeah. Plus the kids were really funny and really yeah. great and it was, it was worth it. Yeah. I actually, on my last day, I covered a whole day so my mentor could go to the hospital 
and get gets get a kind of serious injury looked at before triage yeah. probably comes into effect pretty soon. And um, I had I had the children, and I was like, okay, I'm going to give you ten minutes. Ask me anything you want. <laughs> And I thought all of these, um, they were all eight and nine. There was 20 of them. Mm. And I thought they're going to ask me about Corona. They're going to ask me about the end of the world. They might ask me something, you know, that really challenging. And they're literally all their questions were just like, how old are you? <laughs> or um, they were like, what's it like being a teacher? And the next one was like, do you like being a teacher? <laughs> and then the next one was like, why are you a teacher? <laughs> Did you answer these questions? I did answer these questions. Yeah. I was very honest with them. And it was it was lots of fun. Yeah. And then finally, this one eight-year-old boy was just like, tell me, why did my uncle never learn anything? <laughs> and by that point, I was like, I, you know what? I don't know. I don't know. It's, 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 it's difficult. Yeah. But so they weren't that interested in the end of the world happening. But I, I got I got the sense that that adults at home were already talking to them about yeah. it. So that's yeah. good. Yeah. But um, talking of schools, I was thinking it might be nice to think about some of our favourite things that trade unions done, have done this week. Because yeah. trade unions unite all the left. Everyone loves a trade union. I mean, except when yeah. they're bad. Yeah. But in theory, everyone loves trade unionism yeah. from social democrats, communists, anarchists. Sometimes people love trade unions too much. Ooh, interesting. Wait, who loves trade unions too much? I think, okay, it's my Like, like 1920s German social People fetishise the trade union as oh, okay. an organisational form. Or okay, as, like, yeah. the end of politics rather than the vehicle. Ooh. Right? Yeah. Like, oh, unions. Unions are always good, like... Yeah, like even what well, even like the unions in the US during the time period when they were like, if you work at the union, you're not allowed to say the word union because it's too political. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, or like the idea like unions are always good, but unions exist right in like a particular context of undeniable society. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, we live in a society. Yo, we do live in a. So- I've never <laughs> we live in a, We live in a society. And okay. Yeah. Exist in a society. Um, but yeah, I don't know. The fetishization of trade unions right. sometimes. Anyway, that was a bit of a tangent. No, but that's important because yeah. that was something I have been thinking a lot about. Yeah. That for so for the last couple of years, I've been thinking maybe the pro- proletariat mm. can once again be the agent of history. Like maybe mm. the worker, um, maybe the working class is rapidly recomposing mm. around new kinds of outsourced work precarious work and you know Mm. work within the algorithm or platform capitalism there's different ways of thinking about it but maybe there's a new working class and maybe that working class can inherit the earth you know i'd really started to believe that and maybe even through the vehicle of of left social democracy Mm. which you know not all communists um believe that that's a possibility but i believe uh in a diversity of tactics you know, but after the December election, yeah, which was already, you know, that was an absolute tragedy, yeah, obviously. Um, like I really started to question that and to be rereading a lot of kind of ultra leftist kind of Marxism, like endnotes, thinking about does that actually have to be a new agent of history? And now, oh my gosh, it's like someone's flipped the Monopoly board over. <laughs> And all of the pieces are in the air. Yeah. And now suddenly there's extremely few people working. Yeah. But those people are more important than ever. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, the working class was always not everyone that was literally in work. It always included the unemployed. Yeah. But now we have like mass surplus populations yeah. and they're like demanding to be kept alive. They're confused. Mm-hmm. Um, and even lots of people that still kind of maybe think the Tories are doing a good job because, you know. <laughs> Who are they? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I met a few this week that oh. do think that and... Often it's just because they just don't engage that much, I yeah. think. I mean, who can blame them? I mean, yeah. news sucks. Yeah. Yeah. But so it's, it's, it has never been a better time to start a communist quarantine cast because class relations are rapidly transforming. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the measures the Tories have introduced this week is actually going to increase uh, wealth disparity for the reasons yeah. we were talking about, like... Yeah. It's going to protect landlords. It's going to protect um, big business. Yeah. One of the reasons it said in the Financial Times today, one of the reasons that they're not putting the country into lockdown, even though basically everywhere in the entirety of Europe is in lockdown because it's the epicenter of the pandemic, mm-hmm. is because they don't want to scare investors in the city. I don't want to freak out the stock markets anymore, yeah. which obviously is not working. The pound's doing its worst since, like, 1985. Yeah. And, like, the Wall Street crash looks like a hiccup. Like, 2008 yeah. is, like, nothing compared to this. Yeah. Even Yeah, even some of the worst financial crashes ever have nothing on this. Like, trillions yeah. have been poured into the Fed in America and... Yeah. This is yeah. insane, like, as you were talking about, this, like, weird, like, keep calm and carry on mindset. Just, mm. like, if you just... If you don't take any measures as if something major is happening, then you just carry on, keep on trucking, and it's fine. But obviously, the investors can all tell. <laughs> as I said, the ruling class, they know what's going on. Yeah, they always know. They always know what's going on. They just don't want anyone else to know about it. Um, they know what's going on. Like, you're not going to hide the fact that there's a pandemic going on by preventing any preventative measures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i mean the one percent right now they are terrified yeah. i mean they, they they're flying to their bunkers in their private islands private air travel is skyrocketed at the same time as commercial air travel is almost completely ceased yeah but um, they're all going to their pre-prepared bunkers yeah and also thinking about how they can make money off the, the event yeah but it's, it's, it's interesting you bring up the keep calm and carry on thing that's something we've been talking about this week because yeah. in the school where I was working this week when I came in Monday morning the the head had written up on the board keep calm and carry on it's business as usual at the same which meant that she kept assemblies happening which is where a yeah. hundred snotty nosed children yeah. and several members of staff who were kind of sickly <laughs> All sit in a room together and belt out like, um, all things bright and beautiful, all creatures great and small. That was our musical performance for the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have one of those every week. Yeah. But like, literally, this this head was almost in a, a homicidal level of denial. And she really thought this maxim, keep calm and carry on, was so important. Yeah. But obviously, it's this blitz error phrase, yeah. which became popular around the time of austerity, mm-hmm. as Owen Halfley has pointed out. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's this idea that we're all in it together. But obviously the truth is that just as with austerity, actually it's all about, you know, the haves and the have-nots. Yeah. And right now the haves are just kind of, as usual, doing whatever they like. Mm-hmm. And the vast majority of people are getting absolutely, you know, I mean... Shafted. Well, yeah, <laughs> shafted. <laughs> I, mean, I don't yeah. know what the word to say. I don't know. 
I mean, our lives are forfeit. It's yeah. it's hard to put into words because I mean, social murder sounds kind of nice. Oh, social murder! But, you know, I mean, it's like Grenfell. It's like Windrush. Yeah. I mean, they've decided that one percent of the world's population, which will be of millions of people, yeah. their lives don't matter. I mean, and die. particularly in the UK. Yeah. You know, and obviously, this is every time they cut this last twelve years since yeah. the two thousand and eight crash they've been making it so when this situation inevitably happens which is always inevitable Mm -hmm. that a pandemic would come that we wouldn't be prepared yeah whereas china china which has has strong state capacity yeah it has the capacity the thing is like you as you're saying like it's kind of like the thing about potential (laughs) Mm. right if the government doesn't we've been like just if the government doesn't try and do anything, then they can't... Or the UK government. The UK government yeah. doesn't try and do anything. Then they don't have to face up to the fact that what has been happening over the past like several decades is the absolute decimation of state capacity to the point where if they wanted to deal with it, they probably wouldn't be able to. That's the thing. They don't want to, but they probably can't anyway. Yeah. And they don't want to find out. Like Lots of people who've always wanted to write a novel, yeah. they're going to be quarantined right now, and they'll realise very quickly... That they actually that they don't. can't. Yeah. That's gonna be me. Oh no. <laughs> but we're gonna succeed at making this podcast, so it's all good. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> That'll be our great work of our contribution. Yeah, but I don't know, as you're saying, like it's kind of a um like we're just trying to make kind of make sense of what is going on. Cause as you say, like the UK government specifically is acting in all of these wild ways that are even out of step with all like our neoliberal imperial core friends yeah in in europe like even emmanuel macron yeah has this week the centrist literally appointed by (laughs) bankers to be a kind of puppet government yeah he's gone full bolshevik yeah he's like abolishing private property left (laughs) right and center yeah but he's also made it an extremely neoliberal version of a lockdown yeah you have to print out a piece of paperwork to leave the house every day and if you don't have it you get fined like two thousand euros fines are never anyway i know but but they are taking it really seriously like really seriously yeah they shut down schools like that where yeah. we've just been like teetering out and yeah. now they're yeah. and they're like they were like you know ban evictions like they don't have to pay your rent like blah 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 like things that yeah. will keep people alive because not only like it's very obvious that people want to stay alive but also that pe- like so many people can't just die or become homeless because then the whole system that they're trying to reproduce will not be able to function yeah whereas it seems like the British ruling class really just believe that all of the consequences of their actions are not going to happen even though they are kind of already happening right now yeah i guess even they're in a form of denial really as much as they know what's going on i mean that's the thing with health it's one of the few things that you can't have half measures on that's why we got the nhs here but we never got like full state education yeah we never got rid of grammars and private schools because health you honestly when in times of severe crisis private health is always a public issue yeah. you're only ever as healthy as the person next to you as the yeah. society you're in yeah and that's why even some of the most hardened right-wingers now realize that they just have to deal with this in a way that you know a week or two previously would have seen like some kind of crazy socialism yeah within our context yeah but it's actually just like it's serious preventive measures that will save like many lives yeah yeah which is why it's been good this week mm-hmm. 
um, that the unions have been stepping up. <laughs> yeah, they yeah. have. So, uh, yeah, do you want to talk about the your favourite thing, or shall I go on well, and discuss? Yeah, well, what was your favourite thing? Okay, so my favourite thing, so... We love the GMB. Well, we don't usually love the GMB. No, they're a bunch of weirdos. Um, I could tell you stories about how they act at Labour conferences. Yeah, well, just very, like, uh, generally, I was at the last Labour conference where they had the, what was it, really long meeting about the Green New Deal, and it was GMB that kept holding out for, let's not have these, like, closer targets, let's not have this radical transformation, because, you know, what if someone works at a fracking plant? (laughs) What then? Yeah, they Um, love fracking. Instances where trade unions can be bad but anyway the GMB yeah. and they love the workers bomb they're like posterists or something yeah, yeah um came out and said what is it we need to um like just requisition like what's it private yeah all, <laughs> yeah, all private, private hospitals, hospitals. requisition private hospitals and like and it's like yes increase baby increase the state capacity of healthcare yeah um so that was pretty good um and then Spain actually did it a few days later yeah um, and it that's was like, when, damn. You know, when the GMB came out and said, let's requisition those private hospitals, that's when I was like, man, this is, it's real. But Yeah, it shows that people are stepping up. And people have been yeah. saying that this is the point at which, you know, probably trade union general secretaries, like the leaderships of trade unions are probably thinking, if I make a misstep wrong, I'm going to be in a military prison. Yeah. You know, in a few weeks from now, <laughs> like, that's possible. Yeah. And, and like the, the leaders of my trade union, um, Kevin and Mary, I've had my issues yeah. with them in the past, and earlier this week I kept kind of angrily uh, trying to communicate with them and, and leadership in my union, the National Education Union, um, to try and get them to be really vociferous about saying schools must be closed. Mm-hmm. If they are not, they will be the engines of transference of the virus, you know, they are hubs for that kind of transference and they need to be closed. And through them kind of halfway through this week, really pushing for it, the government did actually crumble and agree mm-hmm. to close them. And that's the one bit of their strategy they've really had to back down on. Um, and they've also been doing kind of daily video calls and kind of uh, they've done some kind of phone call meetings where like thousands of people phone in. And mm-hmm. it's some of the mo- most activity the National Education Union has seen for a while. It's only two years old, but it used to be the National Union of uh, Teachers. And um, it's been really good to see. It's like really exciting times. And now that teachers do make up those essential workers and will be looking Mm -hmm. after children from emergency workers and other essential Mm -hmm. workers, um, unfortunately also the children of police, but what what, what can be done? (laughs) What can be done? Um, But so it's, it's, there's some positive things that are happening. And I think it's a great time for everyone to be involved with a trade union. Like proviso that they're not perfect. Just say another great trade union is the Communication Workers Union. Oh yeah, that's true. they came out with their, you know, they they were going to, they had a ballot for like strike action. Yes. Kind of distraction. They said, well, at this time, no. But then they also put out a, vote for trying to become an emergency like essential service Mm. and saying you know we can become part of the state capacity to help like anyone who's vulnerable people in isolation check on people bring people essential supplies and stuff that's really cool Um, and it's great propaganda it's great propaganda. we love to see it (laughs) yes and obviously they're great at communication i guess they absolutely are they honestly are and their general secretary dave ward talks like a kind of cockney gangster (laughs) and he has a great way with him i noticed at the low party conference all the trade union general secretaries either spoke like that or they spoke like they were from like 
the the north like like, the, <laughs> like the, the minds of the north like there was yeah. there's the two kinds it's kind of required yeah <laughs> see Kev, kevin and mary from my union are kind of not like that at all yeah um but you know but there's a place for it i yeah. kind of i like that kind of that vibe yeah um and it's actually yeah i once tried to organize a failed um wildcat strike of all the trade unions <laughs> to go with um a climate strike day yeah and i rang 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 round all of the trade unions and i was yeah. like um excuse me can i talk to len mccluskey <laughs> and people would just be like uh no uh, who are you and i'll be like oh i'm trying to organize a mass general strike for friday this friday did you get any takers well so you know people would like be reasonably nice and say you can email here kind of thing but actually when i called the communication workers union they said yeah you can talk to dave if you want like we're a very small union and this is how we work they were really nice and encouraging about it of course he still kind of told me how completely bad an idea this was because yeah. they're afraid of getting their funds seized yeah. and this kind of thing anti-trade union it... laws RIP well exactly yeah. the anti-trade union laws are a big problem yeah. basically um, but um, it was interesting and it was actually it's something I've been thinking about recently mm. about what a strike would mean now mm-hmm. as while I was on the UCU picket lines there was a couple of people being like why are you striking now like <clears throat> you know, the plague is upon upon us. You can't yeah. be striking prior, priorities. Yeah. But obviously, actually, us all working together and taking radical action mm-hmm. is more important than ever. Yeah. But precisely what that radical action should be, because if your striking is going to inevitably contribute to the Tories' plan to kill large numbers of people, then yeah. you don't want to do that. So, yeah, this is another thing that you were talking about, which is that obviously the government has made their U-turn, mm. public U-turn, to say, oh, actually that plan where everyone was going to get coronavirus and some people would die, that was bad. And also based on incorrect information and actually loads of people die. So we're not doing that anymore, but we're going to move to suppression, which everyone else is doing, but they're not really moving to suppression. And, no. you know, uh, you know, kind of conspiracy theory, they're which fake is friends. not a conspiracy theory because it is real. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there's many of those. Um, is that they're kind of, you know, pretending to have suppression, but it's a gentle encouragement. It's a nudge. But what they really want... Oh, God, yeah, I hate behavioural science. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what do they want? What what they want... Yeah, sometimes not nudge theory, sometimes you just need some decisive action. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what they really kind of still want is uh, just people to get it. <laughs> yeah, basically. And some people to die. Because otherwise it really makes no sense. Yeah. So it's like, it's like that Frank O'Hara quote, mm. where he's like, uh, in times of crisis, you really have to, like... Um, love those that you love like all over again it's like mm. a kind of relearning of love well that's beautiful yeah and I've been thinking I'm, I genuinely have been thinking what's you know it's been a very difficult week and, and there's probably a great amount of evil that is gonna manifest itself um, mm. in the coming times mm-hmm. but so it's I think it's never been a better time for us to kind of reinvent. Like we can have physical distancing, but we mm. the social can be can be re-embraced. Yeah, it's not social distancing, right? Yeah, it's actually it's physical distancing. It's yeah. virus induced physical distancing, but social bonds. Yeah, we're going to collectivize mm. our well-being in in this time. Yeah. 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 Um, but so we kind of wrote a manifesto, Dan, didn't we? Yeah. This... On on the back of a bank old bank statement first. Yeah. Our manifesto is basically just three 
things that we think are true. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I think we both agree that yeah. our illnesses are mostly political illnesses. Yeah. That was true before the event. Mm-hmm. It is still true. It is more true, even. Yeah. So, yeah, this event kind of... Right, health, as you were saying, like, healthcare, you can't do it halfway. And healthcare no. is one of these things where it becomes extremely obvious that we live in a society. <laughs> exactly. And that, you know... But, again, it's like... There's a tendency to think, oh, now it's ta- now it's time to like care about politics because at this point the government really has an impact on our lives when actually the whole conditions that have created this crisis are of course political. Every crisis is political. Yeah, always already, as Comrade <laughs> Judith already. Butler might say. Comrade Judith Butler. Yeah. You know she donated to Kamala Harris. Yeah, I know. Okay. I mean, she's very strange. Apparently, she voted for Bernie in the California primary. But she's also a Warren supporter. I mean, what? she's just all over the shop. <sighs> I know. I was looking at her new book as well. But anyway, that's... That's because queer theory yeah. resists rational logic. <laughs> wow. <laughs> hot, hot take. And that's subversive. Hot take and cream. <laughs> yeah. So, um, also, collective problems can't be solved by individuals. Yeah. Um, nor should they be. That's a core part of our manifesto. Mm-hmm. That, uh, over the coming weeks, comrades, you're going to hear a lot about its... It's this shopper's fault. It's this stockpiler's fault. It's yeah. the fault of these gammon in the pub. Yeah. I mean, you know, no, I don't have much love for gammon-based <laughs> boomers, but at the end of the day, massive scale collective problems cannot be solved by individual yeah. action. And it I also requires collective. Think, there's been so much yeah. like moralizing about like you know these selfish people who are like stockpiling, and of course, oh, like God, you know yeah. the person who bought seventeen thousand bottles of hand sanitizer. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Resell <laughs> like the seat requisition the hand sanitizer and like fuck yeah. that guy. But also, you know, it's a part of the general like rising, even more intensifying feeling of precarity, which is inherent to our political economy, mm-hmm. that people don't have any faith that if everything goes to shit or even something happens that they will be kept alive by the state and they're kind of being proven right well yeah that's the thing that's the thing the stockpiler is actually correct in their assumption yeah that they could imminently see the complete breakdown of the yeah the the problem is that obviously everyone else also has to be alive but yeah again in our political economy they're always trying to make us not think about that (laughs) yeah i mean it's why some people are talking about how we should renew the calls for having a national food service or national food distribution. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I've, I've done a little bit of stockpiling precisely because I know that mm. supply chains might soon break down. And yeah. actually, you know, my sister just had a baby. She's a month old, the baby. Yeah. It's one of the reasons I'm not going home. I'm yeah. going to stay in my Cambridge college. Yeah. Um, it's because, you know, I don't want to put them at risk. Yeah. And I called her to say, you need to put some stuff aside because it's yeah. not for sure. And now the shops are empty, you yeah. know, and I know that's that's a problem from panic buying, but soon yeah. that will be a problem from supply chains and yeah. it will be rationing. And I said, put some stuff aside for the baby. And she yeah. did. And now I'm really glad she did because, yeah. you know, but the, it's, it's yeah. the, the stockpiling is symptomatic. Yeah. But that, also, we don't recommend it if you don't need to. Little stockpiling. But also... It's again. It's not like little little crossbow about stockpiling. Individual <laughs> crossbow stockpiling. Okay, that's not an essential good. Um, it's not about you know individual morals or whatever. It reveals about 
the selfish human age. Like, it's, it's not about that. No, it exactly. is all about the political and economic environment and the instability that people have felt for a very, very long time, which is coming into sharp focus. Exactly. But point three is don't panic, organise. Like, I kind of hate that phrase, don't mourn, organise, because <laughs> it's like, can we mourn, please, sometimes yeah. when bad things happen? But right now, you know, you can panic a little bit, yeah. but... Also, organising on this new frontier is, is really important. Yeah. And it's going to keep you, um, you know, in the game. Yeah. And also, like, confused panic, I feel, is kind of the strategy of our, our class enemy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, don't, don't fall into that. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm, I'm like, we're all panicking a little bit. Yeah. Of course, of course a little we are. bit, a little bit. A little bit. But also, you know, as ever, like, again, what we're kind of talking about is, like, there was a tendency, I think there was a tendency even now, also before, to think of this time as just, like, an exceptional moment where there was kind of, like, you know, normal life and then this period of, like, weirdness but then at some point it will end and we'll go back to normal life and obviously that's mm. not true because number one normal life was never normal anyway yeah uh number two like this event is revealing and sharpening all of the contradictions and problems in normal life and number three whatever we do during this period of the event how we organize or not like what happens now will fundamentally shape the future which will be irrevocably different from the past absolutely it's it's more true now than ever yeah it reminds me loads of that um denise riley poem red shower where she talks Mm. about waiting for a red shower as clear and bright as an annunciation Mm. i'm probably misquoting Mm. but i feel like our whole lives we wait for some kind of wake-up moment for people and you know, you come to realise that moment has to be made by lots mm-hmm. of people working to make it happen. Yeah. People won't just kind of all suddenly realise mm-hmm. something at the same time unless you're you're making contact and reaching yeah. out. And if anyone, you know, does need to reach out at the moment, um, just ab- absolutely go for it. Yeah. And, you know, our DMs are open. Our DMs are open. Feel free. Always, honestly, always feel free to slide into our DMs yeah. or to reach out. So uh, we are coming to you from right after we finished recording slash slightly editing episode one of Sicker Mode because yeah well so we we finally finished recording episode one of Sicker Mode and I took a big sip of coffee <laughs> and I got my phone out and I saw that they are now actually going to close all UK pubs and restaurants and there's also tonight. like a stimulus package yeah so the very things that we've been predicting that they would do they did do but it is the same kind of Tory half measures that only protect some people and it's still very unclear what's really going to come out of this but it is not full lockdown it's It's just a half half lockdown with some kind of financial stimulus but you know what yeah yeah we'll see but the message is the same which is take care of yourselves Mm -hmm. and we're going to organise our way out of this. Goodbye.